Peace be with you. Happy New Year. You made it, right? Uh, you made it through the year. Today's message um, is going to be a little different than normal, um, than a typical Sunday. So if you're visiting, it's not always like this, although I actually still think it's a great Sunday to, for, to kind of take in who we are at the Oaks a little bit. Um, but it's going to be different in that there's a little bit, there's, there's less teaching than normal, um, more reflecting, a lot more reflecting, and um, somewhat, it'll kind of feel like kind of a church-wide update, which is quite what I wanted to kind of fill you in on our year, and, um, and then we're, we're going to spend some time in praying, like we're going to pray more than normal uh, when I wrap up here. I'd like to put a close on our year uh, 21 and an opening to 22 by way of reflecting over the years of church, uh, just kind of taking in like almost a collective sigh and a meditation and reflection over what we've been through, um, the struggles, the losses, the wins, all of it, um, just reflecting uh, over the year and then praying as a church collectively for the year to come and what we face and what we want to uh, work towards. And so a little bit, in a, in a little while, uh, I'll be using the words that we read to you out of David's Psalm 139 to kind of guide us and to, it'll work as a prompt for us, I think, in prayer. Um, and I really hope, and if you're new to prayer, great, that's okay. Uh, it'll be a great time. And, and if you're not, and if, if you're here with kids this morning, and you're like, how are we going to do this? Because we're going to take some, some time, some space, some silence. It's okay. If, if it's clumsy and it doesn't work for your family, that's all right. Um, it's a practice that we, pr we just practice praying. And um, we do what we can. And I encourage you to pray with your kids if you're here with your kids. And if you're single in here, wonderful. Um, but I invite all of us into that space here in a little bit. Um, and then we'll take communion as a body as well. Uh, but to start, I'd like to take a moment uh, to realize that we did, we did, I made a, a joke, but we did make it. <laughs> we made it through the year. What a year. Uh, it was a crazy year. We made it through one heck of a year. An attempt to get it, like, to sink in, because maybe, I don't know where you're at this morning, if you come in tired, but let, let's do a little exercise, yeah? Can we do a little dialogical work here? It's okay. We're a small enough church. One word. No profanity, there are children in the room. <laughs> One word to describe your 21. Anybody willing? Amen, girl. Amen. Exhausting. Anybody else want to offer up a word? Taxing. Yeah. One word. Just one word that you like. This typifies. This, this, this just describes my year. Come on. Yell it. Come on. Anybody. Hug. Hug. Ugh. <laughs> With a U, all right. Ugh, yes. I would say disorienting. Can I get a nod from anybody? Yes, good. Well, yes, my sermon will make sense. Tough, right? Disappointing, you know? Some of you are like, I have the word, but I can't say it out loud. Um. Not in God's house, right? Um, I was listening to, I was watching um, Jim Gaffigan's latest stand-up routine. Some of you already know where I'm going. Uh, 
and he's describing, he's got a lot of kids, um, he's describing like, you know, the, and I know this feeling, of like d- doing the whole diaper change on your newborn, and then laying them in, back in the bed, like very softly and gently, and just as you finish changing them and laying them down, they fill their diaper back up, and he's like, and that is 21. <laughs> just a diaper filling itself over and over and over again. And I just like, yes, yes. For me, I resonate with that. Um, I think much of the year was like that. I mean, to be fair, it's not like that for maybe everybody. I think um, maybe some of you are like, man, some really cool stuff happened for me and my family in 21 or me and my life. And, and like, I got a great job or I got married or I had a child or, you know, whatever. Like, and that's wonderful for you. Um, don't come talk to me about it, you know? No, I'm joking. But it was like, it was, but I know, here's what I would know for sure for everybody. If, if it's not you, if you don't share that sentiment, you have a family member, a friend who's had it tough, right? I mean, and just as a country and as a world, like, we've just, we've had a lot of loss. I mean, a lot of people have died and we've had a lot of upheaval and a lot of strange things going on. Um, there was an article put out uh, by a psychologist, uh, Adam Grant, and it was titled, um, there's a name for the blah, not ugh, but blah. There's a name for the blah you're feeling. It's called languishing. Languishing. And he describes the feeling of languishing as, quote, not burnout, we still had energy. Not depression, we didn't feel hopeless. We just felt somewhat joyless and aimless. Anybody? Yeah, the picture on the article was somebody just like in their slippers, you know, just kind of trudging along with their cup of coffee. Um, And, you know, he talks about in that article, psychologists kind of talk about mental health being on a spectrum, being like depression, you're in the dumps. Um, And at the top end would be like flourishing. And languishing is like the middle neglected child that no one talks about. Anybody, 21, languishing, me, that is me, that is so much of what I have felt, and I think that's what many of us have felt. Some of you probably, um, if you've paid attention, or if you've like, or you've at least, maybe you haven't identified it, diagnosed it, but you've wondered what's going on because you've struggled to focus, Um, you've maybe struggled to be motivated, You've struggled to find meaningful connection, maybe, this year, this past year. Uh, Maybe you've struggled to find just a sustainable kind of joy. Uh, Personally, I resonate with those. Um, There have been more weeks this past year than any year I can remember where this, the blank page on my computer screen with the cursor blinking was much like a curse. You know, it just... I didn't have any words. And you're like, really? Because you always seem to not be short for words. Um, I know, um, but it's the pressure eventually forces them out. Uh, But it's just been that kind of a year. And I told my wife uh, just this past week in the car, we were riding along and I said, you know, I feel a deeper sense of connection to what Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. um, And it's where he is describing, just previous to that verse, he's describing the light of Christ that we hold in our hearts. 
and essentially how we've got this glorious hope of good news, the gospel, right? Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and the implications of what it means for you now in the present and in the future. Um, and how we're, that idea, this gospel, this good news that we're carrying is like a treasure, you know? And he, but then he says this. He says, however, he says in verse 7, but we have this treasure, and all my, all my Gen Xers will know this verse. You should. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, jars of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Meaning, we've got the best thing in the world. Christ is Lord. The hope of resurrection. Um, but we carry it around in really fragile bodies. And I can't think of a time in my lifetime where I haven't more felt like the fragility <laughs> of my mind and my body uh, than the last couple years. And so I just think our fragility has been radically exposed as a people. And we've lived through, I mean, just, just think about this for a second. We have lived through a pandemic that feels unending. Uh, we've, got, we've, we've lived through racial tensions and fighting that some of us have just never, ever seen. Um, political turmoil uh, that boils over even in places like, you know, like at family functions, um, because you're like, I, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't know my uncle was crazy. Um, you know, or my aunt, or, or maybe you were like, I didn't know I was crazy. Uh, <laughs> why did that come out of my mouth, you know? Like, those sorts of things have happened to you. Um, we've had strange and unnerving, like, inflation, you know? Like... We've had schools go to distance learning. Like, how many, I mean, some of us are like, I didn't plan on homeschooling, you know? And we're trying to figure that out. Um, we've had churches not gathering, right? Like, we did for a long season, didn't do that. We've had social isolation. We've had changing working environments. Some of you have really had to shift how you do your job. And, and some of us have just had shifts in careers. I mean, they're calling th this time the great resignation. That many people are quitting and changing into something else, right? Like, it doesn't matter your age. Like, everybody's having a midlife crisis, right? It's, it's just kind of the thing that's going around. Oh, and on top of all of this, every sore throat you get, you are now like, I'm going to end up in the ICU. You're, or you're, you're, you're worried about it. Like, it's, it's swirling in the back. Like, you, that was never a thing. And now it's a thing. Disorienting. At some point, we all, over the last year, have had spoiled plans, spoiled parties. This was the second Christmas in a row that my family's Christmas was canceled because of COVID. I'm like, I'm over it. Spoiled plans, spoiled parties, and in some cases, spoiled hearts. And I say all of that because you're like, should have slept in this Sunday. But I say all of it to say this, and this is really important for me, and if it doesn't mean that much to you, fair enough. But I have to get it off my chest. I would like to say 
as a way of encouraging you, encouraging you as a church, like as a collective body. And if you're visiting this morning, like you're surrounded by people that I think you could come to really love. As a way of encouraging you as a church, God has been in you. God has been in you. I have seen it. God is not absent. And no, it has not been easy and it has not been ideal. And every single one of you has made mistakes in 21 that you would like to redo. Well, you wouldn't want to redo the mistake, but you'd like to go back and do something different. And I get that and I feel that way too. But collectively, man, we have weathered storms that are unprecedented in my opinion. What a time to be alive and to make it through. And we're not done. (laughs) But you have done so well. So many things in life you can do too much of. Just as a quick aside here, you know, you, you can eat too much. Shocker. You can drink too much. You can talk too much. You can watch too much TV. You know what you can't do too much of? Encourage someone. Show me someone that's like, man, I've just been encouraged so much, it's like hindering me as a person. Like my development is being stunted because I've been encouraged so much. I don't think a single hand wouldn't go up in this room if everybody was honest. If I said, hey, man, could you use some more encouragement? Could you have somebody in your life, would it be helpful for you to have somebody that knows a little bit about you to be say, hey, I've seen this and this that you've been doing? Well done. Like, I feel deep conviction as a pastor to, to do much more, and I stand by this wholeheartedly. Churches need to be encouraged. Yes, there's time for rebukes. Yes, there's time for correction. I get it, yes, but man, like, Let's have some balance in that and say, like, there are times where it's time to collectively stop, take a sigh, and go, you have done well. You have done very well. As a church body, we might be limping, or at least we know a lot of people who are limping, but as by way of a kind of a year-end review, and this will seem like somewhat, like I said, just some updating, I just would like to prove to you, like, that I mean what I say and encourage your hearts in the completion of, of 2021. And along the way, I'll, I'll mention some of our church's constraints that we need to be praying and we wanna ask God to move in us to work on, all right? But the overwhelming message here in these updates is like encouragement. So just one, just start at the top, Sunday services. Sunday services. Like, we, you know what COVID's done to me? I don't take this for granted anymore. Like, we took, churches took this for granted for so long. Like, you know, it was just this, oh, yeah, we get to, we gather, we should do the whole, you know, dog and pony show. And now I'm like, no, this is like every, I mean, I used to be preaching right here in front of a camera. Like, for a while that was going on. And now I'm looking at you and like, I, I don't take it for granted anymore. And we've been pulling it off for a while now. Like, we've been gathering and Thank you to those who, who greet people and who help people get connected and people who serve coffee and who work with our children and manage all those wonderful little monsters and 
who serve in the music and audio, visual, all that work, you know, like they never stopped. Like much of the world stopped. Those folks didn't stop. You know, they kept showing up, singing, working behind the scenes, doing things. There have been people cleaning up every single week that you never see. You know, you come in and it's like a clean room. Yeah. It's not because y'all are extra clean people. You know, like it gets cleaned by people. All I can say is that in terms of Sunday services, pray that we don't grow weary in 22 and doing good here. Like, keep it up so long as the Lord allows. People need a place to come in and rest. And you're like, well, how can we rest if everybody's serving? Well, the idea is that we trade off. We share as a people. Some of you serve this Sunday, and then the next week, like, you take a break. And that's what we as a church body should do. And we operate like that, somewhat like a family in that regard. That's why we encourage everyone to do their part. Sunday service is this experience, not just learn about God and to meet with God and to take, you know, practice the sacraments and all of that, but it's also a time to just be refreshed, to rest, to experience hospitality, Christian hospitality. That is very much what this service should be about. Practice spiritual disciplines like singing, hearing God's word preached, prayer, communion. Children's ministry this past year. We've continued to refine our focus this year on how we want to do family ministry, which in part is teaching them, which is why I've been doing messages once a month up front here. You're going to continue to see that happen. But more importantly, our mission in children's ministry, and I hope Ms. Kristen won't get upset if I say this wrong, um, but we are working very hard and we've been trying to refine our focus and she's been working very hard with uh, her peers, the people that help her out, and resourcing you as the parents. You, are the, as the parent, are the primary discipler of your child. The church is not. We want to come alongside you as parents and resource you as parents. And we're continuing to refine that focus and figuring out how to do that best and we, we launched uh, this past year our new small group uh, for student ministry, which Pastor Eric just was re- referencing a minute ago, which will continue, and that's super encouraging. And another ex- example of where COVID has brought a real gift, a pa- it's been painful at times, but a real gift to us as a church and a gift to me as a, as a pastor and one who teaches the word is like we've just ga- gained a certain healthy appreciation for integrating children into the corporate gathering instead of constantly siloing them off. Does it cause chaos? Oh yeah, absolutely. Is it worth it? Absolutely, absolutely. They're worth it. And so it's just another area where I think you guys have just shown a ton of love, a ton of patience as a church, as we figure out together as a body how to integrate children with us in our worship of God so that they learn it because more is caught than taught. They are catching things all the time. When you guys stand up, raise your hand, sing songs, bow your head and pray, take bread, dip it, eat it, be nourished by Christ, they're watching it. They're taking it in. Good job by you. Groups, community groups, participation in community groups as a whole has gone up this past year. Although the church size has, has obviously gone down over the last couple of years, People are still rooting themselves into community and connection. 
A uh, rough estimate, uh, about 60 to 70% of Sunday attendance is in some form of community group. That's amazing. Uh, just so many of you guys get it. We need each other. We need to be known, and we need to be known by others. This is what just emotional, healthy spirituality requires, being known by other Christians. Some level of vulnerability. Like, you always want to be working on some level of vulnerability with other Christians. Um, but like, just let me lay this upon you as a church body. I don't, and I don't know who needs to hear this. Someone in this room needs to hear this or someone that's listening uh, on the podcast needs to hear this. Um, but like, we just really need group leaders because people are languishing. And like, we, we don't need Bible scholars, guys. We don't need more Bible, I mean, Bible scholars are great, but we don't need more of them for this particular ministry. What we need are some people that are willing to hold a certain level of responsibility to just facilitate, to look out for, and to bring people into connection. You don't need to solve their problems. That's, trust me, that we're actually trying to steer people away from that. God and his spirit does that healing and curing work. We just need people to say, hey, gather, let me be a place of hospitality, let me be a safe space for you to work out your anger or your questions or your curiosity about Jesus and the church. We need group leaders. Pray and step into it. Some of you will step into that this year. Take that risk. It's 10-week campaigns. That's how we do it here. That way you have opportunities to take a step back and rest and reflect on whether or not you can keep going. Mercy work, um, that's our work with populations uh, in the city that have physical, material needs. Man, that just exploded in 21. Big shocker. It's been a tough time. Uh, particularly with our food pantry. Here, I'll just give you the numbers, the raw numbers. Here are the real numbers that you guys either served in, and helped or you paid for. Here it is. Total households this past year, 3,263. Unduplicated households, 527. Total people served at the food pantry, 9,165 people. Right? Y'all, you paid for that. You guys paid for that. Unduplicated individuals, 1,539. And then some of you, I mean, some of you in this room, or, you know, you, you're, you're the one serving, you're the one giving it out. You know, in the midst of all of that, like, it's crazy how many groceries we gave out. It's insane. I mean, I just, when, when, when Miss Megan sent me these numbers, our, our mercy director, I just paused and, again, was just encouraged. It's just like, what are we paying attention to? There's a ton of junk to pay attention to to make me more angry. And then I see this, and it just zaps me out. Because I'm like, no, it's, that's not the whole story, man. There's a lot more to the story. We also launched our new Mercy Initiative, which is our partnership with Care Portal this past year. This gives us an opportunity to come alongside the school system and social workers within the city um, who serve children that are in just you know, tough, trying situations. And it gives us the opportunity to provide them with basic material items. And, it, and it, what it really does, and this is what we're hoping, is it because it, we, we get put in contact with these families that have a need and we fulfill the need. 
And as we do so, it gives us, it opens the door for a potential for relationship building there. To really get to know them and go into their home and ask them what other needs they have and just see how we can help. Are we going to fix all these issues? No, absolutely not. Um, but here's the thing, and I want you to hear this. Like, if you haven't figured out by now, mercy, like working with the disadvantaged or the poor or the oppressed, however you want to frame that, it, it is a massive underpinning of, of our church in how we, what our vision of discipleship to Jesus is. Like, what I'm, what I'm always trying to get across to you and what I want you to absorb is that, like, when you think about as a Christian to be a disciple of Jesus, we just don't think you can work out this discipleship to Jesus apart from being connected and rooted into other Christians and having connection to the poor. Like, you need to have that. There, in one sense, we're doing it to help them, but in another sense, we're doing it, honestly, to curate our own souls. We need to have contact with the poor, or we are not right as Christians. And that's why we're pushing it. The goal for us here as a church is to have as many people attend here to be in some form of connection into a group or some form and some form of connection to the poor. We just don't think you can genuinely follow Jesus apart from these. And we're all in different stages of that development, and I get it, and that's okay. So we're gonna continue to ask you to give and serve where you can in these areas. Please join a group or head down to the pantry and serve so you get that connection. We obviously, and, and again, Pastor Eric mentioned this a minute ago, but we, in 21, we launched our discipleship groups, which is just a, another opportunity that's you know, men-specific, women-specific, these opportunities monthly for people to have connection, uh, to worship together as a body. So we're gonna continue those, which is, that's been a great thing that we started in this past year. And just lastly, financially, last update is just on our finances. I haven't talked much about money at all this past year. Uh, but honestly, I have been, I've been really surprised. It just total, like, transparency here on that. Like, I was surprised when our finance team and, and Derek sent me these numbers, despite what seems like a lot of loss of people to our church. And I say what seems like, it seems like a lot of loss because I can tell you over the last two years, one of the, the really kind of the sticky wicked thing is like trying to figure out, okay, who, who is a part of the church now, right? Like I can tell you leaders everywhere, like across the country. One of the things that's difficult for leaders and pastors is to figure out, well, just because they're not here on Sunday doesn't mean that they're not a part of the church. It doesn't mean that they're not serving and they're not giving, they're not praying, they're not following Jesus. But it's just, it's just difficult to figure out. I mean, apart from people doing a very explicit exit interview saying, I'm gone, I'm leaving. Um, apart from that, it's hard to know, especially as time marches on. And, but it, what seems, of course, like we, over time, when you just look at the averages, what seems like a lot of loss to the church in terms of bodies and the size has certainly gone down here as it's gone down almost everywhere that I've asked and I've looked into. But what's crazy is, but with all that chaos, with all this uncertainty, the budget just hasn't reflected the same amount of loss and uncertainty. God has still provided through you. I wanna be, I wanna be crystal clear. Like we finished up the year with a 4% loss compared to 2020. But considering considering the scattered nature of the church these days and like the lower attendance in so many areas, 
that's honestly pretty shockingly low. That's a pretty shockingly low loss. Our monthly average in giving this past year was 30, 37500 And despite um, the 4% loss, the finance team, which I love them dearly, managed to figure out a way. We still ended our year with plenty of cash reserve for emergencies, plenty of opportunity for us to do benevolence work if we need to do that. Um, and so we're in a great place financially as a church. So let me say again, well done. I mean, yes, 20, in 22, we want to make up that 4% loss, which the way you guys work, you could probably make that up in a matter of a month. But I just want to highlight again that God has moved in you in that particular way. God is not unjust to overlook your generosity. So many of you have been so generous and faithful and consistent. You have supported staff. You have supported mission. You have supported mercy in a really trying and difficult year. And you should be thankful and you should be encouraged. It should fill you with that sense of like, you know what? Like, are you tired? You probably should be. You did a lot. And you need to have someone look at you and say, yeah, you've done a, a heck of a lot. Well done, faithful servant. And look, I'm, I, I'm sure some of you haven't stepped into this spiritual practice of giving yet. And that this, this is going to be your year. Like, set a goal for yourself. Some of us make that goal 10%. Some of us see 10% as like a baseline to start from. I, where, I don't know where you're at. Wherever you're at, it's all right. Just start somewhere and work up, but step into it. It's a place, it is an area, it is a spiritual practice that will really, again, help curate your soul into a place of durability, joy, and maturity. All right. Collective sigh. Like some of those, that, that information might feel or seem like trivial updates, but I hope you don't see them that way because these updates tell a story. And that is that God is clearly guiding and revealing himself in so many of you and your faithfulness. In the face of a really cruddy year, you're, you've sacrificed, you've been patient, and you've shown forbearance. Maybe when decisions were, were, being, were being made that you haven't liked, but you've kept serving, you've kept giving, you kept meeting when and how you could, even if it meant through a screen or you know, whatever that is, or through podcasts, you, you, you kept doing what you could. Look, it is my conviction that God is clearly shaking things in our world so that what is unshakable will remain. That's Hebrews 12, right? I think that's what he's doing. I have no doubt that the larger institution of the church will continue to remain during all these tough times and what could be another tough year. But what will be the condition of what remains? What will be the condition of your remnant heart? Because I have a sneaky suspicion that I, and I've sensed it in me and a whole lot of other people that there is something creeping underneath the skin that is waging warfare on our souls. It is robbing us. It wants to rob us of our warmth, of our tenderheartedness, of our gentleness, and our joy. Just a week ago, I was exercising my success as an adult by shopping at Costco. 
and with my wife and my kids in tow, and I don't know if you've had this experience at Costco, but the line was literally almost the length of the building. And so I stepped in this line, and um, be, be, you know, with my, my cart stacked up to here because apparently we needed 2,000 rolls of toilet paper, and as we're walking in the line, this lady <laughs> just decides to cut. Yeah, just starts cutting the line, right? And I didn't like it very much. Uh, and, and full confession to you, I felt myself getting a little like bothered, you know, by this. And as we're as we're you know kind of trudging along, you know, and she's right in front of me. I mean, she's cut like literally right in front of me and my wife. And you know, inside my, I, I'm like passive aggressive type, so. I don't say anything. I'm just like, oh, look at this girl. Look at, look at her. And I'm, as we're kind of going through the line, heading towards the checkout line, I am rehearsing. <laughs> I'm rehearsing all the things that I want to say <laughs> to this particular individual. Like, who do you think you are? Do you not see we're all waiting in, in line like normal, polite adults here? Like, you just think. And I'm as I'm rehearsing all of these lines and I get to the checkout finally, she gets to leave before me because she has cut me. And, and I'm, by the time I get in the car, we get everything loaded up, I'm like, what is the matter with me? What is the matter with me? I had nothing to do that day. Like, what is the matter? So you had to wait an extra two minutes? Like, what is going on? And I can give, sadly, my thing is, is I can tell you about 20 other examples just like that. Just little things about me that just are bugging me, that is something underneath. One of the realities I've just seen in so many people, and I felt it myself, is that the, the, there's an accumulative damage that the last two years is, taking, is having on us. And it can lead to a kind of callousness, a kind of cynicism, a kind of hypercriticalness. Anybody? A kind of edginess, just edginess in us. And this is where Psalm 139, over the last like month for me, it's just I've just had to just get it back out. Like, it's a really helpful example, a helpful prayer to reflect on and to pray, word for word even. And one of the things I love about Psalm 139 is it, it's not just that it's a beautiful, humble prayer for honesty and for growth within oneself, but that it's a prayer uh, made in the midst of really trying and broken circumstances. Uh, David, who wrote it, is brutally honest, and we didn't read all of it, but there are parts in it that just are honestly a little difficult for us Christians to hear. Um, it's difficult. Listen, listen to the parts that literally comes right before verse 23 and 24. Oh, uh, this is verse 19. Oh, that you would slay the wicked. Oh, God. Oh, men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. I mean, these are the verses in the Bible. You're like, yeah, let's not go there, right? Let's go to Ephesians. <laughs> these are tough words to read. It's like, David, 
calm down. And I, we don't know everything that's obviously going on. We know he's obviously in a trying situation. We struggle to know what to do with words like this, and so we skip them. But here's what I love. In the midst of that kind of raw honesty, in the midst of trying to proclaim, because this is what I think he's doing, he's trying to proclaim his loyalty to God. But it's as if he hears himself in his hypercriticalness of the world around him, which might fully deserve the criticism. And it's like he hears himself offering that, and then he pauses, and then is like, I should examine myself. I need to put myself under the same level of scrutiny. Because immediately after such statements, that's when he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Friends, this is like next level maturity. This is emotional and spiritual maturity that the church needs now and into the future. Yes, there is much in the world to gripe about, to be saddened by, uh, to be angered by, to be frustrated by, to be critical of, and to be wearied by. But will we as a church be experienced by others as prideful, critical, condemning people? Will that be their experience with us? Yes, God is calling us to serve, to give, to lead, and to offer our gifts both in and outside the church. But sadly, hear me, sadly, some of us inside the church will do all of this work, all of this serving, and all of this giving, and yet we will still be intolerable people to be around. Are any of us experienced, like are we experienced in our own workplaces, in our own home, or within our own community? Are we experienced as a man or a woman that's constantly deconstructing and tearing down the people around them? The invitation here that I'm offering, both myself, I'm feeling this myself, and I just want to extend to this church, is how would you like to be experienced in this year? Yes, there's lots of stuff that to do. There's great work to be done. But also, who are you becoming? And how will you be experienced? What will you be like in the rooms that you show up in over and over and over again this year? Wouldn't you like to be experienced as one who brings hope, grace, and mercy to the room when you walk in? To be experienced as an honest and humble person, always ready to learn, always, learn, always ready to confess, always ready to apologize and to own where you have fallen short. This, I think, is the real beauty, will be the real beauty and the power of the future church. The, the, the future church and what we face, the size of it, the fact that it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller, of it's not vanishing. The gates of hell won't prevail against the church, but it's gonna look different. And the future of the church, the power of it will not exist in its flash, its worldly power, or its mighty works. Rather, the power, the superpower of the church will exist by the Spirit in, quote, to, in its ability to help people with the specs, first off, in their own eyes, right? By first removing, or sorry, to help people with the specks in their eyes by removing the logs in our own. That's Jesus' words, right? Luke 6, 42. The way we do it is we open ourselves up to God in prayer. And that's what we want to do now. 
we want to spend a little bit of time in prayer today and hopefully every day moving forward with this kind of raw honesty and this kind of just real openness to God, being willing to be examined, here I am, Lord, what is grievous, what is offensive in me? And so in a minute, I'm gonna open us up in prayer. I would invite you into that space. If you're not ready for that, that's okay. It's okay. Think over your year. But I want these words to wash over you. I don't know everything that's in your heart. God does. We all have things in us that are grievous and offensive. That much I know. Being open to God, being curious, being vulnerable in confession, these are the superpowers in Christ. These are the superpowers. Because he lived and died for us, we can do this kind of work with a confidence, not with arrogance, just with a humble confidence, though. 1 John 1, verse 9 and 10, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. This bread is Christ, represents Christ's body broken for you, the one who emptied himself on your behalf. This cup of wine represents Christ's blood that's been shed for you. He did this on the night he was betrayed. He did this as an example for us to continue over and over and over again by way of reminding ourselves, by way of remembering that this bread, this cup, this is, the, this is the way that we are reminded that he gave himself on our behalf. He is our great substitute. We can go to him and be cleansed. No matter what it is, we can always find new mercy, new forgiveness in Jesus. So there's no reason for us to not be honest, to be open, to be vulnerable before him. And so I'm gonna start us in prayer. We're gonna take a few minutes of that space and then the team will come up and they will serve you in communion. And I would just like for you to just, like what the, the psalmist says, I would like for you to just take a moment and be open before God and let the Spirit guide you in whatever he wants to guide you in. And I don't know what that is. And I don't know what needs to be exposed in you. And hopefully it would be really great if it is exposed in you today and it's something that you can process. Or maybe it just starts a conversation between you and God that will carry out this week. But man, there's nothing better. No time is wasted when we pray. And so let, let us do that now. I'll open us. There'll be some silence for a little bit and then I'll close us. And then you can take part in communion. If you've got kids, hey, what a wonderful time to practice with them in prayer now. So if you could bow your head. Father, search me and know my heart Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I am willing, Father.
you're able, you can just plant your feet comfortably flat on the floor. Open your palms up if that helps. Just take a deep breath. If you don't know what to pray, that's okay. I can pray this on your behalf. Father, open our eyes and our ears to what you've already done through us this past year. You're here. You're moving. You are shaking things in the world and you're, you're shaking things in the church. You're doing this from what we can tell so that the unshakable will remain. Open us up to lament our losses. Father, we need the language of lament. It's okay for us to speak the things that grieve us, to speak the things that anger us. That's okay. Thank you for letting us to do that. Open us up to offering our thanks to you, God. We are here. We might be limping, but we are here. We're still breathing. Open us up to the things that must go in us, the futile ways of our past that are creeping back in. Open us up to those things. Open us up to, to some of us being leaders of holiness and humility. How much we need that, Lord. We have your son Jesus in our hearts. This is a treasure, but we hold it in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to you, Father, and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. We are always carrying in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. And all God's people said, amen. When you're ready, you're invited to come forward if you're a Christian, take part in communion. You don't have to be a member of this church if you're new here. Um, you don't have to be a member. You just need to be someone that has a genuine profession. Jesus is Lord. Um, if you're still working through that, wonderful. And you need help, reach out to us. The way we do it is we have a line going up here and we have a line going up here. When you are ready and you come forward and you take a piece of this bread, dip it in the wine or the juice, whichever you your conscience permits.